Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Voice Hacks podcast. I'm your host, Mary Z. On the Voice Hacks podcast, I'll be talking to some of rock and metal's best singers, coaches, and experts about what goes into the mysterious and amazing sounds we make with our voices. If you like this podcast, please help spread the word by sharing it with your friends, post our episodes on your Facebook and Instagram, and tag me and my guests. I'm at MetalMaryZ on Instagram. Don't forget to leave the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and of course, Follow me on YouTube at Voice Hacks by Mary Z. Let's get into it. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to let all of you podcast listeners in on my upcoming vocal program, of which you can be the first to get on the wait list for right now when you visit voicehacks.co. Voicehacks.co. Put your information in there, get on the wait list, see what my new program's going to be all about. Hey, everybody. I'm stoked to be back with this week's episode of the Voice Hacks podcast. I have an awesome vocalist that I really admire on the show today, Charlotte Wessels. Welcome. It's so great to have you. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's really cool. I think we might have met once before back in the day, I think I did this Eve Apple show thing back in Belgium. Like it was like a decade ago, though. So yeah, we did. That was 2012. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I think this was like a really long time ago, 2012 or 2013 or something. Oh, damn. I didn't realize it was like 10 years ago. OK, yeah, it might be 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of us there. So that's, it, you know, it's a lot to remember, but it was cool. Yeah, I remember it. it was a lot of fun. I remember a little photo shoot afterwards and uh, just a girl hangs. It was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was neat. It was a special experience. But I wanted to start off talking about you, obviously, and talking about the one thing that I'm really curious about is your Patreon. Because um, you started a Patreon. I'm A lot of the vocalists that I've had on have, you know, taken their career totally into their own hands, created Patreons, creating these communities around their art. And I just really wanted to hear a little bit more about when you started that and how that community is influencing your current work. I thought about it for a very long time. I was initially inspired by Amanda Palmer. Like I read her book, The Art of Asking. I've been a fan of hers since like the very early days when we were at Roadrunner and I got like the dressed and doll CD. Yes. And I loved it, loved it. Uh, so I've been following her career and I saw her, her move to Patreon. And the thing that uh, really, I really love the fact that it was also like a community building tool, not just like, I'll just slap my music on here and see if anyone likes it. It was really like, um, she would be really open about the things going on in her life. And, and it just really appealed to me. And I thought I would like to do something like this combined with the fact that I wrote quite some music that didn't necessarily fit, uh, what we were doing with, uh, Delane back then. Like I would write songs that 
you know, either were too pop or too weird or whatever. And I never minded it too much. Like, it's always like you write some songs, some end up on an album and some don't. But at one point, like there was quite a bit that was not ending up on an album that I didn't write with the intention of ending up on that album. And it was like, it's kind of a shame that these are just, you know, sitting on a hard drive here and no one's listening to them. So when I started thinking about the Patreon, it was just to have a place to to have a home to to those songs. I chose Patreon because it was something that I could do on my own, on my own terms, you know, without a middleman. But also um, I had done like side projects before, which I really liked. It's fun to collaborate with uh, with other people. But when I was doing projects with other people, I felt like that's an extra commitment. And I often felt that I was holding them back because, you know, I had I so, much, so much ambition with Elaine and we were touring so much and uh, it was basically hard for me to commit to something else. Yeah, and not feel like I was holding them back. Yeah, I was like, if I want to do something, I want to do something that I can do on my own terms. And Patreon, yeah, mainly because of that that community feel that it had to, it was something that really appealed to me. So I've been making plans for a very long time and I launched it in May of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So it's already been a couple of years. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that a lot of people, they, um, because that's something else where I think that Patreon has been a lifesaver for many people during the pandemic because, you know, uh, couldn't perform, couldn't go out. So I think a lot of people have turned to Patreon during the pandemic. And I, like, technically, I started it during the pandemic as well. But for me, like I had already planned it, like I was kind of done with all my preparation somewhere in, ironically, February, which mm -hmm. is when shit hit the fan. But I was like, I was like ready to go. And then COVID happened. And I actually thought to myself, maybe I should not launch my Patreon right now, because isn't it weird to start asking people for money in a time where a lot of people will also have like financial challenges. So I hesitated for a long time whether I wouldn't wait until this thing blows over. And I'm glad that I didn't wait because that would have been like another two years. Oh yeah, <laughs> because we know how that went, yeah. What was kind of an eye-opener to me was that a lot of people when I launched it were like, I'm so happy that I can support an artist that I like, even you know, also through the pandemic. I heard people say, and this is like so fantastic to me, this is like a life goal. I heard people say like, I have nothing to spend my concert budget on for this oh. year. And I'm like, you have a concert budget? What am I doing with my life? Why don't I have a concert budget? You are like the coolest. Um, so yeah, I, I learned that people have concert budgets. People who aren't musicians, because musicians, we, we spend our disposable income on instruments and studio time. And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's, um, but uh people have been i like i was really humbled by uh the amount of people that joined uh the patreon uh right at the beginning and a lot of people who joined back then are are still there now so that's really cool but also i knew of course a lot of people who were there that they knew me from when i was with Elaine. so uh obviously when you know things started going south there i i was also concerned like i i i don't maybe everyone will leave you know 
because they like me for this thing. And now will they still like me without it? Yeah. But people stuck around. And more than that, they really provided this kind of a safety net. Because I really think like if I didn't have the Patreon at the moment that Delane disbanded, I think I would have fallen into some kind of black hole of, you know, like, there goes 16 years of my life. What am I doing now? But the thing is, like, I had already committed to writing a song every month. I had a video shoot coming up for Victor back then that, you know, I needed to plan for. I had to arrange catering. Like, I had a lot of things, like, keeping me busy. And I had a lot of people cheering me on and kind of, like, raising my spirits on a Patreon as well. So on many levels from like very practical uh financial emotional it's definitely been a lifesaver yeah does the community on patreon help shape some of the things that you've been do they contribute uh kind of to your creative direction uh, or help you choose things or influence things at all i think when i when i started this i started it mainly from the idea of i i want a place for the songs that i i that i do all alone you know yeah so sure. i didn't start out thinking like oh now i'm going to crowdsource lyrics because i mainly wanted really that feeling of like what will happen if i just you know carry carry out everything from a to z but in a way, I do think that they have influenced it. Oh, well, this month, for example, like I do these hangouts and sometimes like I I perform with my husband who's not here now, but during the hangouts, he usually sits there and uh, we perform, uh, we perform songs together, like uh, acoustic um, versions of songs that I've been doing. And they've been saying like, with certain songs like oh please record like an acoustic version of this and uh, this month I actually did that because you know yeah because things turned out the way that I thought I have to do something different this month so they do they do really inspire me and I've also done this one challenge where like people could send me topics and I would pick one by rolling the dice uh, to to uh, that one was for a gear gods uh, thing actually but like I involved them in that as well and I like that more than I expected. So ah. I might do that kind of things in the future now that I've had a, enough me time musically. Right. So you had your uh, initial purge, but that is really cool. It's really interesting to see. I think I'm very fascinated by the relationships between communities and artists nowadays because it's so much more of a direct relationship than in the past of music history where I feel like there was less personal connection between the artists and the audience, you know? Yeah. You just introduced the live band for your upcoming shows. And I was curious about that. How does it feel to rehearse this material? It's quite different than some of the things you've done in the past. How's it coming together for live? Would you ever take this beyond just a few shows and do a tour? Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm not sure, like, if I'd want to tour as much as I have been touring as the last couple of years. Like, maybe so, maybe not. I, I don't I don't know. Like I'm, I'm also really waiting for like this first live experience and seeing, seeing how that goes and how it feels and you know how the songs work live. It is definitely different to play these kind of songs. And three out of four people that I'm performing with uh, were with me in the lane back then, so we're yes. we're used to playing a certain type of songs together. And I noticed that because some of my songs on the Patreon, like some of the the songs are that type of songs. And they they go very like we we play them twice and it's it's there, you know, um, it, it is very much like the more the more synthy, like the more poppy songs that actually require um, 
require more work and more getting used to because it's a bit out of our comfort zone. But yeah, that's that's actually kind of cool. And some some cool things happened also because we were like, hey, you know, what can we do with this? It's a lot of work to also translate, you know, the things that I've been programming here as, you know, not necessarily a drummer, not necessarily a guitarist, and then translate that to actual people playing instruments. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite the challenge. That's going to be really cool. Yeah. I wanted to ask us like from a vocal perspective. Obviously, doing your own music, customizing it to your voice, having control over the creative process from start to finish, lyrically, vocally, do you feel like there's anything different about what you do now? And has your voice vocal approach changed? Are you exploring new territories in this new kind of era not necessarily like i've always been uh especially in the vocal world i've never felt like really limited or whatever because I, you know i used to write those parts in delane as well for the most of it i didn't feel like i couldn't do what i want to do vocally there what is the biggest difference is that uh, when i was writing songs for delane I knew from the very start that I had to perform them live at one point. This is not the case for these songs. And there are some songs now where I feel like, okay, well, this is definitely like, this is, this is challenging, but I don't know. I'm also enjoying the challenge. Like, I feel like vocally or like, <laughs> I feel like my entire career is just bluffing and saying that I can do something and then I have to do it. So then you get better because you're put on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. You're forced to, you're forced to practice until you can do it. So that's, that's how I'm going to approach this as well. That's really cool. So for these shows coming up, have you been doing anything to facilitate that vocally? Like, are you just, are you practice on your own a lot outside of the band? I know that I should rehearse. I have been uh, very scattered and all over the place for the last couple of months and very busy with also, you know, doing a new song every month still, even while I'm doing also the preparations for this gig. And then there are some collaborations like there's there's a, a, a lot going on. So I'm not practicing yes. as much as I should. Uh, and I know that I should have some sort of routine to get my voice back in shape because what I'm noticing now is especially with like the, there is some choruses which are just full on belting choruses, super high and super loud. It's not like I cannot hit the notes. It's just that I feel that my um my overall level of fitness in order to, you know, keep it like super steady and keep the support uh, that has diminished a little bit over the last few years. It, I mean, all of us No, I mean, it's like how if you're not able to play shows, you can't you can't really make you can't maintain that, you know, it's so tough. It was a rough couple years, you know, but it's cool like to have I, I, I do like I like when the universe kind of like forces you to pick it back up and get back yeah. out there on the stage. Yeah. You're going to film or stream these sh uh, shows coming up? Or is it one It's one show? At this point, it's one show. Um, I'm going to film it. I'm not going to stream it. And I'm going to be brutally honest. It's just too nerve-wracking for the first show ever to have it live-streamed across the world. I'm like, I'll live-stream this when, you know, <laughs> when we've done this a couple of times. Sure. Uh, and it's not the first time ever that we perform these songs. Um, and I know that a lot of people are like, oh, it's a special occasion. We wish we could be there. And I do really feel for all of those people. And I know that the Netherlands is a small country and I don't expect everyone to come here. Uh, but it's also like, you know, 
one show has got to be the first and uh yeah the sure. first is not going to be the one that I live stream <laughs> I I completely understand that especially you know when everybody's getting used to each other with a tour you have a lot of time to get used to each other um yeah. you know you get uh, very tight from constantly playing every night but one show is almost worse in a sense as as like you don't have this repeated event that you're doing you know it's one and done so it's really tough yeah yeah you mentioned collabs and i saw the other day a little bit of a teaser of something with amelie braun and simone simons um you guys obviously have something that you're working on maybe you can't talk about it yet (laughs) i cannot i'm so sorry (laughs) no that's okay that's exciting i'm sure people are going to be excited hearing about that so that's three amazing vocalists something to look forward to regardless just the little teaser picture was really cool Mm -hmm. the other thing i wanted to ask you about is you're obviously recording your own vocals a lot this is a big thing because I'm starting to prefer this a lot. I also prefer editing and dealing with the tuning myself these days too. So do you prefer that? Would, or do you secretly like when other people record? Are there benefits to that? Disadvantages to that? I really like the fact that I'm alone when I try out vocal lines. I like that when I'm like, oh, this would be a cool line. I'm not sure if I can hit it. Then no one's listening while I'm trying to hit it. That is something that I really like. Or when I've got like a little riff. Because the way that I work now is I think of it, I record it and that's it. There's not really a demo phase. It's just, I just record it as I go. Mm. So oftentimes I will have like a riff in my mind. I will be like, can I sing this riff? And obviously a lot of the times, like the first time you sing it, it kind of sucks. And I like going through that part alone just because, you know, you don't have to worry about anyone. You don't have to be insecure or something. It could also help to just not fucking care about that. That's impossible. I always tell everybody, like, I don't know very many vocalists who don't care about that. You know, it's just very, it's just kind of the nature of being a vocalist and a musician. You're constantly like analyzing your own. Exactly. Analyzing, overanalyzing. So I, I like that. And I think I've done more exciting things or like more wild things vocally since since I've been recording by myself. And then and then, you know, with also with the backing vocals, I have a different treatment with the backing vocals than I have for lead vocals. So I am very particular about how I like my own vocals to sound. So by now, I actually think that I can do that better than someone else. Yes. It's also nice to be able to split the work. So maybe in the future, I will record with someone. It's also sometimes good to have an extra set of ears or someone to hype you up, you know? That, yeah. that that can be good because I I don't I don't hype myself up. I hype myself down. <laughs> Which is typical of most singers, honestly. To be honest, we're very hard on ourselves. I think singers are the most, vocalists are by far, and I say this like being a teacher, you know, like they're by far the most self-critical, being one myself, you know, so yeah. Yeah, you cannot blame it on your instrument because you are your instrument. Like Yes, yeah. You can't be like, oh, this. I need to go get my voice set up at the shop. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that, but, you know, you can't. Sometimes I wish you know, I could exchange the tuning as well. <laughs> Just having an extremely low voice. But I think if people get good at it, it is more practical to do it yourself. We're all at home. And, and also as well, um, I feel like with tuning, whenever, even if I have like a really good person do the tuning for me, oftentimes it comes back 
back like uh, with some wrong notes and things. They actually don't know how your melody goes, you know? And so if the computer decides it should be this note, they might not realize that's not actually the note you were trying to sing <laughs> anyway. You know, sometimes it can come back like computerized wrong and yeah. you know how the song goes. You wrote the song, you know? Yeah, That's also kind of a reality check because then it's like, wait, was my note closer to the other note? <laughs> Yep. And right. Exactly. Um, I I wanted to ask, would you, have you ever done any um, aggressive vocals, harsh vocals? Would you ever explore that area with your voice? Or is that just like not something you're interested in all at all? No, I have done it like on a few occasions. Like that's actually one of the things that also in my set now there's one song. It's like only like six times the same word, but it's like there are some harsh vocals in there. Um, I've also done some grunts on the Lane albums, but it was always like just, you know, a word here and there. If it was like bigger parts, then we'd ask someone else to do it. Um, Otto is good at it. George has done a lot of our uh, harsh vocals. Uh, Elisa has been a guest as well. But the thing for me is that I am, I really like doing it. I like how it sounds. I'm just not good enough at it yet that I can do it without a risk. I should have taken these two years of not performing to practice that a lot, but then I always had to record the song of the month as well. So there's, there was never, there's never a time where I'm like, I can practice this and I don't have to worry about how my voice sounds the next day. Because obviously I, the thing is that if I practice and I, if I do it like right nine out of 10 times, it can still kind of hurt my throat if you, if you do it wrong the one time you know? Oh, sure. Certainly. Yeah. So I practicing, practicing harsh vocals has just always been a challenge for me because I always have something that I have to sing that evening or the next day, or, and I'm always worried, like, if I overblow my voice now, like, will I be able to sing that? You've been incredibly productive. You know, you've had, you've been doing so much stuff. I mean, there's only so many things you can practice at once you know you've been so productive you know and it kind of sucks because I always feel like I I can only be good at one thing at a time you know there's a lot of things that I feel like oh you know if I only practice this like five minutes a day or if I only you know that's yeah there's only so much you can do that's the reality you can't you know you can't be you know that phrase a jack of all trades is a master of none kind of you kind of you the reality is you you can really be focused on one particular field one particular subject one particular instrument as your primary focus and and um to be really really good at it other things have to take a back seat you can't you literally can't do everything you know yeah. but i also wanted to ask you about some of the to kind of divert a little bit. It's a little bit of a diversion to the to the some of the visual components of the things you've been doing. Yeah. For example, I think that your video for Off Kicking is incredibly stunning. It's a really gorgeous visual masterpiece art kind of form in and of itself, you know, on top of the song being a separate art form. The video tells a whole story, but it's very beautifully done, beautifully edited. Tell me about what you've been doing when you're working on those visual components like that and how that plays into your songs. I think I was already envisioning the video for this one when I was writing the song because the protagonist of the song is a woman who is in this institution locked up because she has killed someone that she loves. And what she says in the lyrics is like, I did nothing wrong and I would do it again. And it was for the better. And when you hear that, you think, oh, that's because this person is crazy, you know, mm -hmm. that like, 
Um, but what I wanted to do is create a backstory where it is in fact a mercy kill and where that was in fact better than the alternative. And I love, I love horror movies. I think that for example, like the, the Suspiria influences are very visible in the styling choices as well. I love folk horror. I like monster movies. So I, I, I love choreography. So I wanted to just incorporate a lot of those things into this video. And, um, yeah, I, I worked with a video ink company. We worked with, uh, uh, before back when I was with Delane and came up with this crazy wild backstory and it, you know, it had all of the things that I, that I love, like including like that, that mercy kill, which was from the start, like the most important factor for me. Like I wanted the video to explain that, no, this person is in fact not crazy, but she did, she did do this to save her beloved. So that is really cool. That's a really awesome twist. <laughs> I was going to ask vocally, the bulk of the material you've released over the years in any form has been singing in English. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm assuming Dutch is your first language. And what, what was it like to uh, compose in Dutch? Was there anything about the storytelling that influenced what language you chose to compose it in? I had this little bass loop that I liked so much and I just started singing over it and I started singing in Dutch. And that's the whole thing about this Patreon where I do a song every month. And I didn't intend it to be like an album at first. It's like I could I can just decide every month, like, what's it going to be? Like, what kind of song is this going to be? So I'm not necessarily limited by, oh, you know, it has to fit like a, a certain genre. It has to fit like a certain vibe or theme that I'm going with. It doesn't even have to fit the language. So when I when I had these first lines and they were Dutch and I thought, yeah, can I do this? I've never done Dutch before. And then I was like, yeah, why why shouldn't I? It kind of slaps, you know? It's great. Sounds great. Yeah, so I, I just I just went for it. I do notice that it's harder for people to connect to what the song is about, mm. which in a way is nice for me too, because sometimes I feel like I put a lot of effort in 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 the lyrics and sometimes I, I feel like, um, you know, how many people actually take notice of what you're saying and how you're saying it and, and, and uh, how many people pick up on the stories. Even if this one, even with the people who are kind of not that connected to it because it was in another language, I was like, Oh, so that actually confirmed to me that, you know, they do listen, they do listen when, you know, it's, they do, pick, they care. Listen. And you actually did the rare thing where your video tells part of the story that you laid out in the lyrics, because a lot of music videos surprise me that they don't go with the story that they put in the lyrics. I, that always has surprised me since like the 90s, you know, so that helps a lot, too. You can at least kind of tell something like a storyline, you know, from the video yeah yeah and this is also that that was also like a conscious choice and it's also nice to because that that just sounded like oh my god no one's listening but you know from like the die arts that you know the first thing people did was like asking like can we have the translated lyrics so you know that there is the group of people that will that will always really dig into it but for like the casual listener i never knew and yeah it's it's kind of nice to know that they too do yeah so cool but uh yeah this video production it was definitely like the most the most intense 
the, the biggest production that I've done so far. And it was, it was also very intense. Like I cannot dance for the life of me, like getting that choreography in. It was really like, yes, those group scenes in the video. Mm -hmm. You, but you know, you did it. Uh, I don't think I would have known that it looks like you knew exactly what you're doing there. So it paid off. I mean, I did practice a lot by the end of it. Like my husband knew the moves because I'd been, you know, doing it in the living room. Like, <laughs> so yeah but that was that was really cool and I and I really loved doing it as well like it was it was really cool you had hair for half of the video shoot and then you shaved it for the other half right yeah I killed my uh my friend with the scissors mm-hmm. so then before I was sacrificed instead of her if you haven't seen the video, this sounds so weird. Actually, if you've no, seen I, the video. I've just... definitely seen it. But yeah, the people listening might be like, well, they're going to check it out if they haven't seen it listening to this. They should. You know? They should. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, I, I, I kill I kill my 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 friend with the with the scissors. Then uh, my hair gets cut off as some sort of punishment. But I'm also being sacrificed instead of her. So it was basically like I, I'd always been kind of curious about shaving off my hair uh, but never like never had a good reason to because it's very scary especially since you know a lot of people cut their hair short first and then they shave it but my hair was sure very long it was very long it was very long yeah and I had extensions too like it was like super exaggerated and we were talking about how can we make me look as miserable as possible, like at the end scene where I'm at the clearing, ready to be, you know, punished, sacrificed to these monster gods. And I was like, we just shave off all my hair. And people didn't think I was serious. Wow. But I was. <laughs> but, you know, I think like what I was thinking was like, oh, what killer art, though, when I watched the video, like that you you went for it. You you went in and you did the actual art. You didn't wear wigs like you did it. I did hesitate until two days before the shoot. And then I was like, I'm doing it. And it, it, like you said, it was like, let's do it for art. Well, it looks sick. It's like one of the best looking videos I've seen in a really long time. It's really cool. It's really sick. It's a really awesome concept. And I think that's part of it because it's like, you know, she actually did that. Like, it's it's real. You know, you know, it's real because, you know. Yeah. Put blood, sweat and tears and hair in that one. Yeah, that's so cool. I just I absolutely love it. I feel like it's really expressive and it's really cool to see you do something like that. It was just wonderful. That's wonderful. So another question, I want to go back now to like vocal technique stuff, because we sometimes we get kind of technical on this podcast and you have this really well, you have a lot of different vocal tones that you can pull out of your voice because we can hear that in all the different layerings some of the really high more operatic things you do versus the belty things but through it all especially in your belting tone you have this really recognizable crystal clear resonant vocal tone and I was just curious if you ever you know actively worked on that if tones are something that you spend a lot of time exploring if you've ever studied any particular technique that helped with the tone I started out doing uh, light music it was called jazz but it was basically it was everything that was not classical music when I was um, 13. I'd been playing the clarinet oh there it is behind me which I oh. just picked up like a year ago because I was like I played this instrument as a kid it's a shame that I'm not doing anything with it but when oh, I was so 13 cool. I wanted to switch from the clarinet to singing lessons because I really like to sing and uh, and I started with light music but 
at that time, I only wanted to sing like Kate Bush songs and like everything that was like really high and shrill. And I loved kind of the, but that was all like um, very much like falsetto or like the sharper, even edging more towards like the classical round tones. I really loved doing that when I was like around that age. And my teacher back then, she said, um, I think you should go to like a classical teacher. I think they'd be able to help you develop that part of your voice more. Back then I was actually like, they, I was classified as like a soprano. And I know that the way that I sing now, I don't really sound like a soprano. I also don't think, I, I'm not sure if I am a soprano, but anyway, I was mm -hmm. I was singing soprano pieces and I really liked that. I really enjoyed that. But still, I haven't done that kind of training for a very long time because my instructor back then, my vocal instructor, she didn't really like heavy music. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I felt at that point there were other parts of my voice that I wanted to, that I started to want to explore too. And I couldn't really do that there. So at that point I quit. Um, and then I had a long time of no training at all, where I was just um, whatever I kind of learned was basically either songwriting or in a studio where I was like, can I do this? Uh, and I, <laughs> I did it yeah then there was one tour where I lost my voice and not lost my voice like oh my god I can't hit this note like I woke up one morning and I couldn't speak I couldn't even whisper like there was nothing there and that got me so terrified and I also I didn't know what I had done wrong because you know I I, I didn't drink I didn't smoke it's like I, I didn't know what it was so that was when I thought I have to get vocal training. And another thing is, it might have been like, actually, a few days after that, there was like an air vent going straight into my bunk. And I found out that that was like, like, probably blowing in my face the entire time when I was asleep. But I just got I, I got nervous at that point where I was like, my voice is doing something and I, I, I am not in control of it. And that got me quite scared. So that's when I started to do uh, a little bit of training again. I did like a course in um, still voice techniques, which is great because they kind of force you to do all of the vocal styles, which yes. was like the opposite of what I have with my classical training, where it's like, here's this one thing that we like, we're going to make you very good at it. And this this one was more like, these are all the, the things that you can do with your voice and, and look at yes. this. Um, they also had us hooked to these things that show you like exactly like the frequencies where where your voice is stronger and uh, where it's most prominent. So I, I really like that. I also like that it was kind of more, you know, there in my earlier vocal training, there was a lot of when you sing this part, pretend to be smelling a rose or pretend that there is a letter in the queen's pantyhose. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like I don't know how I would respond to that. It's like, it was so very abstract to me. And what I really liked about a still was that it's um, just very factual. And it's like, look, here's a thing of your throat. Here is, here, we, we shove the camera down someone's throat. This is what your throat is doing when you're doing that. This is what your throat is doing when you're doing that. And it was like, wow, this is actually so very helpful. Or, wow, I can see how doing that might hurt your voice. Or, um, so this I really liked. And I haven't had like, uh, like training where I went like every week or once every, like, not really like that. But 
now whenever I do feel like, oh, I need need to get some training or I need to get, you know, some help with this or that, whenever I search for something, uh, search for someone to help, I always go go for like someone who does uh, STL uh, because... Yeah, because I really like the approach and I really like that it's not attached to a certain type of style. Mm, it still is wonderful. I love that. I love their approach and I I, I like a lot and use a lot of their uh, some of their concepts. You know, I think that's why it's really cool to explore all the different. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to approach vocals. And when you find that one program or that kind of just that one approach that clicks with you yeah. makes it a lot easier for you to explore like you said all the tones <laughs> classical is very limiting uh, it's one thing and one thing mm-hmm. only but that's not really how a modern musician functions I don't think yeah and I mean I'm sure that if you would have someone who's like totally into like deep into classical music that the classical is one thing maybe sounding the same to them as you know someone who would tell us like oh you know metal is just one thing but from a vocal perspective, at that point, it did really feel like that. Like, oh, I'm just getting the one thing here. I've been curious about CVT because they have you have you done CVT? Um, I've studied a, a lot of it. I haven't been to one of their seminars or anything, but I have studied a lot of their materials. And um, I really do also like several of their concepts and a, a lot of their research answers a lot of questions um, about clean vocals where I think there's a little bit better research is where they get into the distorted vocals. I think, I think maybe they're not as, I think for distorted vocals, there might be a little bit more in depth. I think they just barely scratched the surface, but for clean vocals, modern belting, I think they nailed a lot of stuff in their research. Very much. So I've learned a lot from them. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, as we're wrapping it up here, what's next for you? So are you going to continue this one song a month? Did I read that you've actually been doing it for 28 months of songs? Or Yeah, the next one's going to be number 30. That's phenomenal. Is this going to, how long are you going to keep this pace up? Are you just going to keep doing it? I don't know. I do notice now that it's becoming harder to do. I'm also becoming more frustrated with Like in the beginning, I was like, because I contrasted this way of working against the way that traditionally, historically, (laughs) I work was like, you, you have an idea, then you go into a songwriting room and you look at that idea together with people. And then you make that into a demo. And then, you know, everyone takes it to their separate islands. And then it turns into a pre-production. And then you go record it and then you see if it's good enough and then maybe you re-record it and then maybe it still needs additional things and then at one point you know you 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 get to mixing and master it and you wrap it up and then it takes months to get released if you're lucky yeah and I was frustrated with the fact that you know you have a spark of inspiration and then one and a half year later the song is released and you forget what what like what was that about? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's about something happening in the world and you want to respond to it. But, you know, you cannot do that if it takes a year and a half. So what I really wanted to do is do something that's quick and snappy uh, as a contrast to that. Now I've done that for 30 months. And now I'm kind of looking 
for a contrast to the quick and snapping. <laughs> now I want to take my time again for some things. I am thinking about like ways to ways to to do it and ways to move forward. I do still I I like the fact that I force myself to to put something new out there every month. But what I'm thinking now is like if I want to give the songs more time to breathe, maybe I can do something where I do put the song out, but it's not necessarily finished. Ah, oh, interesting. So and then um, then I'm also not sure if I will still share the snippets outside of the Patreon yet, but I haven't completely worked this out yet. But I thought a way of me to both have I want to give people new music every month. And I want to, because, you know, that's what I told them I'd do. And also I want to keep the pace up for myself because, you know, I can get into this kind of debilitating kind of perfectionism. Sure. So uh, then I can have that. But then on the other hand, I can also give it the time to breathe and say, you know, here is the first version of the song. And then, you know, then I can let it, then I can let it breathe and I can think about, oh, how do I like it? What can I change? And then maybe at one point I will make an album where I still maybe completely rewrite it or re-record parts of rearrange parts or, um, so I'm thinking of maybe going to, towards that route where there is still new music, but it is not necessarily, because it's pressure to say that a song is finished. Yes. And sometimes you will have a song where I feel like this could potentially be a great song, but it has to be finished tomorrow. So it's going to be an OK song, you know? Sure. Yeah. that It's always a, a battle between timelines and creativity. Sometimes yeah. it's like if we don't put a deadline, we'll never get anything done and we'll overthink it to death. But then on the other hand, yeah. there are times... It's, you know, it's this constant battle because it's like, well, sometimes you finish it and you're like, I really wish I would have had a lot more time to work on that. Yeah. And at this point, like if you have to do like a new song every month and also, you know, do other things in that month and also have it mixed and mastered in that month and make like uh, a cover art for it in the same month, there's no time to overthink anything or, you know, song wise, like I can still overthink everything and I do still overthink everything. but. <laughs> Would you be doing your job as a singer if you weren't? No. <laughs> we, it's our job to overthink. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, uh, I do still think I'll keep, because that was a long answer to your question, but I do think that I will keep putting out new things every month. Um, I just don't know if I will take the exact same approach to it as I've been doing for the last 30 months. 30 months is a record. I have a good friend of mine who was also on the podcast, this guy, Daniel Graves. He's like an industrial vocalist. Okay. And um, he was doing one, he did it for 12 months. And like, that was enough for him. That 30 months is it, is very impressive. So I'm also very tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all need a break to recharge. We're only human. And I think one thing about it that sucks that I'm kind of maddened by in the like, I love a lot of things about being a musician in the 21st century, and I hate a lot of them. And one of the things that I have a love hate relationship with is the constant like content, 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 put it out, put it out, you know? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. And especially now that the interwebs are so critical of what content is worthy. Uh, yes. See and what isn't like. I feel like I've had a shadow ban on Instagram for a while, but it's very annoying. I agree. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today because this is a really lovely interview and it was really great to hear about all of the cool things you've been exploring in this current era of your music. So thank you for sharing with us all of that today. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Where should people follow you if they want to continue to follow your work? Well, they can go to the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Charlotte Vessels. Or uh, just charlottevessels.nl will get you to all of the all of the things, all of all the of YouTube, the, cool. the Instagrams, and the socials, and the Spotify's, and uh, everything. Well, thank you, Charlotte. It's been lovely having you. Thank you so much. It's been lovely hanging with you again. <laughs> thank you. That wraps up this episode of the Voice Hacks podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. 